You're listening to... No, that's not real. You're listening to The Heidi Rue Show. Yeah, that's better. Inspiring. Entertaining. Real. The Heidi Rue Show. I'm here with Meredith Davis from Merrily Creative Company. And uh, Meredith started at Radco. She was in marketing for a Radco company here in Atlanta. Then something happened that changed everything that we'll talk to her about. While she was at Radco, she had started this kind of side hustle called Merrily Creative that focuses on real estate companies and small businesses and really helps them kind of create this stretch strategic visual media, which is, I mean, duh, so big, right? And (laughs) these days um, to help make sure that those marketing goals and everything are met through kind of this visual medium. So first of all, before we go into more of your story, I want to talk about just your side hustle of Merrily um, Creative. First of all, I... (laughs) I think there's a lot of people out there that can probably relate to that, right? That they have a side hustle or something that they want to do outside their corporate job mm-hmm. um, that kind of lights a fire within them. So do you have a few tips for us on how you can balance a side hustle while being in a corporate job? Because that's tough. Yeah, I, uh, I did the corporate thing with the side hustle thing for about four years. So um, I've learned a lot throughout that mm-hmm. process. And I think the first thing you need to do is really articulate what your goal is. And that may change over time. But if your goal is to take your side hustle full time, then you need to lay out a plan. If your goal is to have it be a creative outlet, then you're going to approach it differently. If your goal is to bring in extra money so you can pay off some debt faster, you're going to approach it differently that way. Mm-hmm. So if you articulate your goal, for instance, If you want to take your side hustle full-time one day, well, then you need to have a marketing plan and a business plan and a financial plan to make that transition smoother down the road. Mm. That will also make it easier knowing, you know, if you're trying to build up that financial cushion to transition to full-time, it feels more purposeful to go to this job that you don't like anymore Mm. for a year because you know you're doing it for a reason. There's an end in sight. Right. Or if it's a creative outlet, you can take it a little less seriously, not be so hard on yourself, Mm. and just make sure it stays as that resolve and that comfortable place to be creative. Mm. And if it's just a financial goal to help you bring in some money, well, then that's obviously going to be your goal when you look at it that way as well. Yeah. And then the second thing that kind of follows up to that is time management. So it depends what your side hustle is, but you have to schedule time to work on your side hustle, but you also have to schedule time to not work on your side hustle because you will burn yourself out so quickly. I was working eight, nine hour days in my corporate job and I don't, I live without a partner and um, I don't have any kids. So I would come home and I would go straight to working on my side hustle. And about like every four weeks or so, I would just be exhausted and I would just like not do anything for it Mm. for three weeks because I'd just be so burnt out. So I started to give myself a schedule and the way that it worked for me on like Mondays and Wednesdays, I would work for three hours after work each and Tuesdays and Thursdays were me time and Fridays were kind of up in the air. So I gave myself a little bit of flexibility, but I made sure to schedule in time where I had to have the laptop closed. It didn't matter if I was just binging Netflix or if I was out with my girlfriends or hanging out with my boyfriend, but 
it was not work time. That's such a great tip. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) I wish that I um, had your your tips a long time ago. Because I even started when I was in radio full time, you know, I was doing a couple little side hustle things. I was one, I was doing voiceover. And then two, I was doing um, Parties for Pennies, which was a blog. And so, but man, I wish that I had had kind of those tips because parties for pennies really was more of a creative outlet Mm -hmm. for me and I should have looked at that but I think I felt I felt pressure a little bit I think especially too once I left radio to pursue voiceover and acting full-time I did already have some income coming in from that but I also kind of just lumped parties for pennies in there Mm -hmm. without kind of really defining that oh wait this is a creative outlet and not necessarily something that I am going to end up making a full-time income from. Right. There's this word hustle that's attached Mm -hmm. to the whole small business thing. Yes. And I absolutely believe that you have to work hard for your dreams, especially if you're considering going full-time. But that doesn't mean that you can't forego your personal sanity. Mm. Um, So whether you are able to commit six hours each weeknight, give yourself a night off, you know. Mm. So you have to find that balance of what hustle means for you and how busy you can personally manage. That's so well put. Okay, so this side hustle for you, speaking of, it, it kind of, it, it just became everything. It was more than yes. a side hustle in a moment. What happened to get you there? Yeah, so I had always had this dream, you know, I'm going to be a business owner one day. I'm going to be independent. I'm going to work for myself. But I was in this corporate job and I just never had the guts to go for it. I didn't have any money saved and I'm a spender, not a saver. So that wasn't (laughs) something that was going in my favor. Um, And I was in this assumedly stable corporate job. I'd been there for four years. I had great relationships with everyone there. And they did some restructuring in the C-suite level that trickled down. And I walked in one day and they said, you know, we hate to see you go, but we have to let you go. We're restructuring the marketing department. Half the marketing department got laid off that day. Wow. And I was completely blindsided. Mm. And it's interesting. I was in a point in my career, I'd been promoted a couple times and they were kind of shuffling bosses through me because like I said, they were doing a lot of restructuring. And at one point I came to them and we were trying to figure out my place in this company. And I said to them, you know, if we can't find my role here that both benefits the company and fulfills me, you know, maybe it's just kind of time. That was six months prior to this happening. And that just like, I, it was just something that I like said to them. Right. And I was getting assignments the week before this happened. So I just had no idea. And um, that was the moment when I was like, do I go back to a job that I mm-hmm. don't like and is unfulfilling or do I take this as a blessing disguise? And it absolutely was. Had you followed your tips <laughs> that you just gave us? I mean, were you kind of on that track to make this side hustle a full-time thing at that point? Or were you just kind of thrust into it? Mentally, I was absolutely on my way there. I spent most of those four years of my side hustle learning business strategy and operations and theories. And I had been making some money on the side, but very much at kind of a hobby level. And so when I was let go, like I said, I had a wonderful relationship with this company. They gave me a very, very generous severance package. Mm. So I, that was the kind of missing piece of the puzzle. I had that cushion mm. that I wasn't able to secure for myself. Mm-hmm. And so that was what I said. I said, okay, I have this amount of time to figure out if I really got the chops for it. Yeah. Because I have a little bit of leeway here financially. Um, and so they had given me three months severance, which is – so incredibly generous. Yeah. And I told myself, I'm going to go for it. 
And um, so I didn't spend a penny of my revenue during those three months. I only lived on my severance, which is what my salary was. So right. it was normal. And then I told myself in that fourth month, if in that month I did not make enough money to cover all of my bills and then some, I would get a part-time job. So I kind of felt okay going into it like I had a plan B. Yeah. That wasn't totally throwing it in the can. Sure. Um, and it's so funny. I After I had the conversation with HR, I left the office and I called my boyfriend sobbing. And I was so sad. He told me to come over and he like let me calm down. And then all of a sudden he was like, Meredith, this is what you've wanted for three years. Like all you've done is come home every week and told me that you wish you could just have three months worth of financial cushion going and you go for it. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Wow. This is what I've been waiting for. So that is crazy. Yeah. It's just, it's just really, it's fate. And, you know, yeah. I'm a big believer in God and Christianity is yeah. a big part of my, my life. So, you know, glory to God. Yeah. He, he had the plan for me. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Do you recommend that people kind of have a side hustle? Because even if they are in a corporate job, you never know, right? This mm-hmm. In this day and time, is that something smart to do or... I don't think a side hustle is a good plan B, like just in case I get let go, I'll have this going. I see. But I think it is imperative to run a business on the side before you go full time because there are so many things about running a business that you don't realize go into it. For example, I'm a photographer. I spend 15 to 20 percent of my time actually photographing and editing photos. So you have to get to know what it's like to run a business before Mm -hmm. you can just take the full leap. Yeah. So what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned just right off the bat? Um, I did not realize what a mental game being a business owner is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like I had read about business strategies and it was totally different putting them in practice, but I did not prepare for the mental, emotional roller coaster that is, as my dad calls it, only eating what you kill. Right. Mm -hmm. So I only make what I produce. Right. So in in financial terms. So and it is it's very hard on me emotionally and mentally in those first maybe six months. I I went back and forth like, am I going to be able to balance this mental sanity? You know, in in the span of a single day, I will be motivated and encouraged and doubt myself. And can I do this? (laughs) Yeah, I can. I'm amazing. There's a new client. That client's happy. Oh, that client just fired me. Oh, my gosh. Do I have enough money to pay right. rent next week? Like all those emotions go into this single day. And mm. at the end of the day, you're just like, holy moly. Yeah. This is a mental game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And how do you get over that? How do you so face that challenge? I talk with this. Uh, I talk about this with a lot of my clients. Okay. And I, I, tell my, I tell them, I put this and put it in this little like visual you have a girlfriend attached to you and Uh she is your fear and she is your anxiety and your doubt she's there for a reason like she's there to tell you like that guy offering to buy you at the drink of the bar is not a good guy say no to him (laughs) but she kind of doesn't know when to hush so Mm. she will say maybe you shouldn't go take this thing full time I don't know if you got what it if you have what it takes and so sometimes you just have to say hey girlfriend I see you. Go sit in the corner. I got this. (laughs) Time out. Right. Time out. So, like, (laughs) I acknowledge you. I understand why you think this is fearful, but I've calculated the risks, and I'm going to go for it anyways. Mm -hmm. So I think acknowledging that fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. is important because – worrying about financials and worrying about investments and debt that's a real that's a real a realistic logical fear right um so if you can name it and acknowledge it and you can say okay i can i can handle this yeah 
girl, face the wall. Mm-hmm. Get out of here, yeah. okay? Go go sit <laughs> yeah. in your place. I'll do it with yeah, you Yeah, 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 exactly. So is that kind of um, something that all sm- small business owners really deal with? I mean, you work with so many small business owners. You've talked to so many different people. Is there kind of a running theme or a running struggle that everybody faces? And is that kind of it? Or is there something different? Yes, we are all afraid, mm-hmm. and none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> I have worked with women who make six figures, and I have worked with women who are just start- starting their side hustle, and we all feel like someone's about to like call us out for being a fraud. We all mm-hmm. have this weird fear that we – are we doing this right? And I think it stems from the number one issue is that most of us, at least the clients that I work with, we're doing this alone. I'm a one-woman shop. I mean, I have, you know, a bookkeeper and accountant and this sort of thing, but no one's on my team working with me every day, and that is the same for my clients. And when you spend so much time alone and you're the only one who knows what's going on in your business, there's no one there to bounce ideas off of. There's no one there to validate your decision. There's no one there to say, hey, girl, you're being in a bad mood. Get out of your own head. Right. So I think um, encouraging these women to find community and not just – you know, join a Facebook group full of, you know, 5,000 other female entrepreneurs, but actually make connections, Mm. whether that's in real life or online. But having those people that are on your side that you talk to on a regular basis about your business can really help combat those mental game Mm. issues that people go through. Do they need to kind of be in the same industry or does that matter at all? I have found that it doesn't matter. I have um, participated in what they call like masterminds. Mm -hmm. And then I also provide small group coaching and I really think, I, and that depends on the person because you can't force a friendship with someone. Right. You have to wait till those people who come along that you have that natural connection with. And some people mm-hmm. find that in people that are in the same industry. Some people are threatened by other people in the same right. industry. So you just kind of have to find someone. I think anyone who's in a similar maybe level of entrepreneurship or like me, I'm a one-woman shop, so other women who are running one-woman shops, that kind right. of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was something that you said um, in an interview that I it, it just intrigued me, and I was like, I've got to ask her what exactly she meant by this. You said the huge wave of entrepreneurship is both helping and hurting small businesses. It's great because more and more people are encouraged to start their own business every day, but it also dilutes the credibility of small businesses to the general market. So, can you kind of go a little further into that and what that means? Absolutely. And I want to be really careful how I answer this question because I don't want to devalue or decredit anyone who's running a side hustle Mm -hmm. and that's where they want it to stay and they want it to be a hobby. There is work that goes into that. There is pride in that. And I don't want to kind of poo-poo on those people. Sure. However, especially for me in the industry of photography, anyone (laughs) can go buy a camera and say, hey, I'm a photographer now. Mm. So... And I'm excited that there are there is an outlet for people to make a little bit of cash. But then there are people like me who are truly professionals who have invested in education and skills labs and technical skill and running a business and treating their clients like professional business owners. We Our credibility gets a little bit diluted because mm-hmm. of people who are running hobbies right. under a business name. Um, and I kind of compare it to like, say... Um, you opened a lemonade stand, right? Uh-huh. And you walked up to someone and you say, hey, I just opened a lemonade stand. Immediately the person you're going to talk to is picture a 10-year-old with a pop-up right. table selling powdered lemonade in a right. cooler. Exactly. So, yeah. and that's it's that's kind of a thing. And like I said, I don't want to devalue those that are kind of running it as hobbies, but 
it presents a problem and an obstacle for those of us who are in those certain industries running full-time gigs to communicate our higher price tags and our higher value Mm -hmm. to the general market. Yeah. So what do we do with that? How do we combat that? I think that professionals need to invest in other professionals. Mm. We need websites and copywriting and mm-hmm. imagery and branding that communicate that we are on a different a level. A different level, yeah. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. And we also have to respect our industries. There are women who feel like they have to compete with the low price tag of these mm. hobbyist photographers. And they are doing that because they feel like that's the only way they can make money. Right. But it dilutes the whole overall market value. Mm-hmm. It goes back to identifying what your goal is in mm-hmm. your business. Yeah, And, you know, there is a lot to be said for identifying where you are at experience level mm-hmm. and what you do actually bring to the table. Yeah, But just kind of do some introspection mm-hmm. or intro, your inner reflection right. on your business and your value and where you want to go. And where you are and where you want to go. That's so true. And, you know, um, as a voiceover talent, this has been a huge thing, especially over the past couple of years, because I'm not going to go into all the specifics, but even just something that... Uh, everyone would know. I mean, there's Fiverr. People do voiceovers on Fiverr, which you should never, ever, ever do a voiceover for $5 Mm -hmm. or even close to that because of the equipment that it takes, you know, because of the training that it takes. Mm -hmm. It's more than just reading. And then it just devalues the entire industry and everyone else that's a producer or, you know, a brand that is hiring a voice talent is thinking, Mm -hmm. um, you know, oh, Wait, what is your rate? Well, I can just go on Fiverr and get right. it for five dollars. Well, right. <laughs> and it's hard to position yourself and saying, "Well, I'm better than this because yeah. of that," because you don't want to verbally say that. Exactly. So you have to figure out a way to communicate your value. Yeah, in a positive way, right? Exactly. You say, "Okay, these are the reasons mm-hmm. why my rate is this way, and mm-hmm. why I, you know, I, I could could command this type of rate because exactly. of all the stuff that I bring to you and bring to the table." Exactly. So that's. That's great. So you have a podcast. I do. Uh, so this is like nothing to you. <laughs> you you know. And in your first podcast, you shared, uh, or one of the tips that you gave included this quote, closed mouths never get fed. So, and I love that. That was so <laughs> great. Oh my gosh. Her podcast is fantastic too, by the way. Thank you. Um, you can find it on her website and we'll, we'll go over that yeah, stuff towards at the end. So my father is a commercial real estate broker. Okay. And so he also has made a career out of this kind of you only eat what you kill lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So when I first went full time, I came to him for a lot of my advice and he told, he told me closed mouths never get fed. And I was like, what does that mean? He was like, you're not going to get what you don't ask for. And that kind of comes in a couple of different ways. A, you need to speak up and you need to ask certain things from your clients. You need to ask certain things from yourself. You need to ask certain things from your vendors because they're not going to give it to you if you don't ask them. And secondly, and this is another kind of hump I get over with all my clients, you have to go out and talk about your business Mm. and you have to talk about it professionally. Right. You, no one's going to know to hire you or to refer you if you're too scared or shy, especially Mm. people who are kind of running that side hustle thing. Um, I have girlfriends that are like, oh, I just started this little thing and I'm just selling some things on Etsy. No, you started a business. You are selling handcrafted calligraphy wedding cards on Etsy. Like be proud and loud about it Mm. because the more confident you are when you're talking about your business, people are going to say, oh, I have a girlfriend who does calligraphy. You're getting a wedding. You should go talk to her. And that's what's going to get the ball rolling in your business. Mm. So 
be loud and proud and don't be afraid to ask for what you want. I love it. That's great. Okay, what's been um, this? We're going off a little tar- uh, topic here. Not really, but you said that, you know, during even that four years, you really invested in a lot of training and learning. And I know that you're somebody that absorbs a lot of information and always reads. So, what's been one of the most impactful books that you've read? Nothing to Prove by Jenny mm. Allen. Nothing to Prove okay. by Jenny Allen. And she is a Christian female author for mm-hmm. women. And But you don't have to be super religious sure. to read this book. She, I'm very hard on myself. Um, I always feel like I have to be better. I have to be better girlfriend. I have to be better at money. I have to be better mm-hmm. photographer. I have to be a better housekeeper. I have to be better at fitness. Whatever yeah. it is that I'm tackling, I'm very hard on myself. And I read this book, Nothing to Prove, and she just gave me permission to stop being so hard on myself. I'm mm-hmm. only proving these things to myself. Why do I feel like I have to be better at this? Why do I have to feel like I have to be better at that? And, you know, personally, the only person that I have to prove and, and be good for is God and live mm-hmm. by his word. I know not everybody shares the same beliefs, but at the end of the day, you are only responsible for being a good person. Right. And that just kind of like took this weight off of me. And it's like something my boss used to say, you know, when we would get really stressed out about a project, we're not saving babies here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nothing is that serious. Sure. Right. So that one was really impactful. And then the other two that were a little bit more skills based, Profit First mm. and you are a badass at making money. Mm-hmm. Those two in kind of in um, relation. Yes. Am I saying that? Yeah, James right? okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those in conjunction completely changed the way I looked and acted with money mm-hmm. and totally cleaned up my financial game. So I highly recommend those. Yeah, that's great. I have not read that one from her, but I just wrote read her first one of You Are a Badass. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fantastic. I actually, okay, so here, confession, um, a lot of times I don't read the book. My husband always corrects me. <laughs> um, I listen to it I on Audible. I have an audio book okay. as well. Um, but I have literally listened to her book three times. Which is yeah. ridiculous. I don't think I've ever done that with any book. Mm-hmm. But there's such great neg- nuggets and absolutely. Uh, very I mean, even in her introduction, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is duh light right. bulb." Right, right, mm-hmm. totally. I love that. That's great. And I'm totally going to get the nothing to prove. Uh, it's powerful. My husband right now is our engineer for today for the podcast. And when you said that, I don't know if you could see him, but he like pointed to me like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, you, you need to read that yeah, like multiple yeah. times." <laughs> yeah, and I think that being hard on ourselves is probably a general characteristic mm-hmm. that most business business owners have because we have to perform constantly. Yeah, so absolutely, we mm-hmm. do. You know, there was um, I just happened to watch. Um, an episode of Shark Tank, it was on last night when I got home from our class. And um, they said a statistic that I thought was really fascinating. Um, She said, there's 68 million small businesses out there, and over half of them are just run by either one or two people. I'm not surprised by that at all. Which is so fascinating. But the, the funny thing is, is it can feel so lonely. So lonely. So isolated. It is. Mm -hmm. And so you have created something that I think is so cool and really helps with that. Can you tell us a little bit about Cocktails and Connections? Yes. So, so much of my own success in my business can be attributed to my network, whether people I knew or have met. And I think that we've lost a little bit of the art of making actual connections Mm -hmm. in real life. 
And I don't mean like forming, you know, lifelong friendships, but like when you meet someone at happy hour, having a conversation beyond what do you do? Where do you live? Do you have children? But actually making a connection right then and there. And you mean beyond like the DMs and Instagram, right? Yes. I'm talking about IRL (laughs) in real life, (laughs) face-to-face conversation, which there's a lot to be said for the connections you can make online. But this is specifically for in real life connection. And so I wanted to create a networking event for female entrepreneurs and businesswomen, which is who I work with, um, that would leave them inspired and excited about who they met and not leave them with a pile of business cards of names of people they don't Mm -hmm. remember meeting. Mm -hmm. And so at these events, um, for one, I have a speaker come in and she will speak for just 10 or 15 minutes on a relevant topic. And then I'll have the women break out into pre-assigned small groups. So they're kind of forced to meet new people. Yeah. And they do a little activity where they need to bounce ideas off of one another. They can help each other figure something out. And it's a takeaway that they can use in their own lives. And then we come back and discuss it. So there's really only 30 to 45 minutes of like structure time. And each event's about two, two and a half hours. So we resume regular mingling and whatnot. And we have other opportunities within the event to make those connections. We have little conversation cards. We have prompts here and there. Um, And I just want women to learn to have a conversation with someone where they actually learn who the person is Mm -hmm. and not just what that person does. What they do, yeah. Or, oh, you do this, how can that person help me? You know, and they stop listening. Yes. Mm-hmm. So true. Well, we've all been in those situations where you're talking to somebody and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, now I'm really interested in you because I know right. you can help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, that feels so like just yeah. hurtful a little bit. Well, and I think what people don't realize is when you're talking to someone and they don't do anything relevant to what you do, you need to be a nice person and a kind mm-hmm. person to make a connection with them because you don't know who they know. Right. And I have gotten dozens of new clients from people who would never be my client, but they sent someone to me Mm. because they know what I do and they trust what I do. And I've spoken well about what I do. Mm. So that's what I mean when I say network. Right. Mm -hmm. That's great. Meredith, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This is, um, you gave us so many great tips. (laughs) This has been a blast. And I'm so excited for your business. And I just wish you just, um, oodles because I say that all the time I don't know where that came from but oodles of success well I appreciate that Um, (laughs) that's next level right there yeah Um, but if people want to find out more about your company Merrily Creative um, follow you on social media find out about Cocktails and Connections how can they do that sure I am very very active on Instagram at Merrily Creative Co and that's like Merrily down the stream (laughs) and I'll post everything about upcoming events on there and then you can also catch me at my website which is MerrilyCreativeCompany.com, and that's where you can learn about my different photography services. You can get uh, interested in small business coaching if that's something you're interested in, and then the events will also be there as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Meredith. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it <laughs> and being on. Don't forget to check out her podcast. Too. Oh, yes. The Merrily Show is available on Spotify and iTunes. There you go. Thanks so much. As a Georgia peach, she loves pleasing people, so she wants to know how she can improve the show. So let her know either on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Heidi Rue. Also be kind, because she's my wife. And if she has a bad day, then I'm really going to hear about it. 